Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. But the last couple of months, I have been reading and studying the letter to the Philippians, and God has really been speaking to me from that from that letter, um, speaking to me from the example of Paul's life. And I have been sharing from Philippians a lot <laughs> the last couple of months. So forgive me if I say something that you've heard before, but I think hearing it again is is good, eh? It's good because we need to to have the goodness of God come down and realize it in our hearts. It doesn't just be intellectual knowledge. It mustn't just be in our heads. We must really have a taste of His goodness. Alright, because that will drive you to share His love with others as well. And share His blessings. Because we do have a lot, guys. We have a lot. More than we realize. And the, the reality is that the people out there they need it as well. We mustn't be stingy. <laughs> we mustn't hold on to what we have. Yeah. Realize that you have a lot and share it. And I'm, that I say to myself first. Okay. Um, we only have one chance. We live this life and we get to live it only once. Okay. The time we have is not ours to spend like we like. Our other people are not there to serve us and to fulfill us or make us happy. That's what God is for. Amen. Amen. Life is not all about you. The Apostle Paul knew these things. Even while he was sitting in prison waiting for, for possible execution. Eh? Think about that position. He was sitting in prison, he's waiting for possible execution. And he says in Philippians 1 verse 23, I am torn between two desires. He's torn between two desires. Imagine a piece of paper that you're pulling in two different directions. He feels like that. I long to go and be with Christ, which should be, be which sorry, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, for, for the sakes of other people, for the sakes of the believers that he was writing to, mm. it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow. That's important. Grow and experience the joy of your faith. Mm. So Paul's desire was to go and be with Jesus. But he was ready to rather stay alive so that he could help the believers grow up and experience the joy of their faith. That's what he says here in the last um, uh, sentence. He says, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. That was why he wanted to stay alive. No? Think about it. Um, Paul's focus was not on himself. He had a very successful ministry. And surprise, his, his ministry was full of hardship, full of persecution, full of trials and full of trouble. It wasn't easy. And I understand now how he could say, I long to go and be with Christ. That would have been a great reward for him. And I think he had the right to say that if you look at his life. No? He deserved it. Okay. But his focus was on the welfare and the development of his brothers and sisters in Christ. His desire was for believers to reach maturity in Christ. And that desire came, of course, from God. God wants us to mature. God wants us to become mature Christians. Amen. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 28 says, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God. This is the, this is the purpose. No? This is why they, they tell everybody about Christ. We want to present them to God mature in their relationship to Christ. Mature in their relationship with Christ, to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard. This is what Paul is saying. That is why I work so hard and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. 
So in this verse, Paul makes it clear that the reason why he endures so much hardship and struggles, it was made to make sure that the believers that came to Christ would grow in their maturity, in their relationship with Jesus. Do you guys want to grow in maturity? Amen. Do you guys want to be mature believers? Yeah. Yes. Um, that was Colossians 1 verse 28. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. He says, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And Paul went through a lot to do this. He went through a lot. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. Mm. No? Yeah. And they beat, yes. one beating was 39 hits. No. And he was, I think he says, 40 times in his lifetime. <coughs> and Paul went through so much. He was stoned even. Um, I, 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 took, I didn't um, put that, the, the verse reference in it, but he went through a lot in his life to do this with this purpose why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me was because he wanted to present him to God mature in the relationship to Christ so his whole life a man's entire life was geared towards getting believers mature in Christ okay so I'd say that's pretty important okay um, but what is maturity? What does it mean to be mature in Christ? I believe the answer for that is in just the previous verse, Colossians 1 verse 27. It says, For God wanted them, this is so important, God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are, you, are for you Gentiles too. And this is a secret. This is a secret to maturity. Christ lives in you. Okay? Christ lives in you. Say that with me. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in me. Amen? We must believe that, guys. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. To be mature in Christ is to live with the constant, the constant, ne? Knowing and awareness that Christ lives in you. This takes your perspective away from worldly things. And it focuses it on heavenly, on your heavenly and purposeful calling. Okay? Heavenly purpose and calling. God's heart for us is to reach maturity in Christ because a mature Christian is someone who has moved past himself. Yes. You move past yourself and looking to yourself. Mm. And you come to realize what is truly important. What is that? What is truly important do you guys think? It's to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. But why do we preach, preach the gospel? Jesus because people are going to hell without yeah. it. People are going to hell without the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel, they are going to hell for eternity. Think about that. This needs to become our reality, guys. This needs to become what is real to us. Okay. Eternity and the souls that go there. That is what is important. Shane says in Rooted, I think, people is what God values, but people value money. God values people, but people value money. But I just want to point that out. God values people. If we look at John 3.16, For God so, so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. He sent everything that He had. And Jesus came and He did everything that He could. He lived a perfect life. And He went through the pain and the agony and the struggles of the cross. And He died for you and me and for the people out there. That is how much value God places on every single person. In every single person out there. Okay. We need to, we need to, and I speak to myself when I say this, we need to really focus on this. We need to really realize and grab the importance of this reality. Okay. What does immaturity look like? What does immaturity look like? 
1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. That's important. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. A different translation says carnal. Okay? Uses the word carnal. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So what, it, what does it mean to be mature? It means, if we look at this verse now, no? I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. I would say that that is maturity. Amen? Paul calls them infants. An infant is a baby. Yes. A baby in Christ. And it means that you are worldly. Another word used here is carnal. And carnal uh, means to have the nature of the flesh under the control of animal appetites, governed by mere human nature, not by the Spirit of God. That is what it means to be carnal. Your, your entire life still revolves around you and the people, are, not the people around you, but your life, your house, your everything. This life, the flesh. Okay, um, it is not referring to your sin nature. You're not governed by your sin nature because our, your, our sin nature has been done away with, right? The old man has been crucified. What he says here is your human nature, your flesh, okay, is what you are you are consumed with. It means that you are focused on the things of this world. Your decisions are led by your body, not by, by his spirit. You focus on your emotions. How you feel determines. Uh, what you choose and do. Yeah? Your emotions determines what, what, how you feel and determines what you choose to do. Isn't that so true of the people of this, of this time? And I speak to myself as well. It's so easy to let your emotions run away with you. Yeah. It's so easy to just go with whatever your body wants. Go with whatever your, your, your desires are. Whatever you feel like in the moment. No? Um, the things of this world is what you focus on. And I'm sure you guys know what babies are like. I haven't had first-hand experience, but they say that babies are the most selfish beings on the planet. And the sad thing is that many of those babies grow up and they are still selfish. They are still selfish. I'm, I'm one of those selfish babies. Uh, this message is, is not to condemn anyone. It's just I, I want to I want to wake firstly I wake I want to wake myself up yes. and I want to wake the believers up. Alright? We need to grow into maturity, into mature Christians. Okay. I like how Paul puts it. He says there in um, one Corinthians three verse um, three, you are so worldly for your for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? I like how he says, are you not acting like mere humans? I'm reading from the New Living Trump. No, that's the New International Version. Um, he asks that because he knows that we as believers are far more than mere humans. Amen. We are made entirely new beings. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore... 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. No? All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We have been made new creatures. We are beings with the spirit of the creator in them. Um, the life-giving spirit of God lives in you. Think about that. Say that. The life-giving Spirit of God lives in me. You must get convinced of that fact, guys. We must be convinced of that. Okay. 
Before that, you were just a human being. Now you have been changed. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? And he says, don't you realize? Don't you realize? This is something we need to realize. The word realize is important. It says to become fully aware of something as a fact. Understand clearly, we need to become fully aware that the Spirit of God lives in you. You need to realize this. Immaturity is focusing only on yourself. Self-centeredness is pride and pridefulness is immature. Okay? That is why Paul urges us in Philippians, thank you, uh, urges us in Philippians to follow the example of humility that Jesus set for us in Philippians 2. Um, I don't have my Bible with me now, but um, yeah, Philippians 2. Uh, where's Philippians? <laughs> yeah, that way. Philippians 2 speaks all about how Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. Um, He says, let this mind be in you, in Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was God, but he didn't hold on to that godliness. He became a human being, okay? Um... He made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So Jesus, the Son of God, he didn't hold on to godliness. He, he said, it's fine, I'm, I'll, I'll humble myself, I become a human being, and then I'll humble myself even more and die a death on the cross like a servant, like a slave. So humility is maturity. All right? Humility is maturity. Where pridefulness is self-focusedness and immaturity. Okay? Um, this is why Paul urges us in Philippians to follow example of humility that Jesus set for us. Okay? Maturity and purpose walk hand in hand. So I'm moving to purpose now. No? Maturity and purpose, our purpose as believers, walk hand in hand, I believe. And they develop together, I believe, as well. As you mature, you start walking in your God-given purpose more and more. The Apostle Paul often often uh, compared this life to a runner running a race. Okay? The fact is that everyone is running whether we realize it or not. You can either run a good race or you can barely make it over the finish line. How we run this race is very important. How you run the race of life is very important. Okay? <clears throat> um, Paul uses the metaphor, he uses this picture to illustrate certain truths about our journey in life and our walk with God. And I believe that is, I believe that that is, that there's a lot that we can learn from that. So let's look at some of these scriptures. Philippians 3 verse 12. Philippians 3 verse 12. Philippians 3 verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say, uh, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. There we hear about maturity again. Eh? Mm. 
maturity and agreement. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So from that scripture, I see three things. Three, three things stand out to me. Paul urges us on, first, to press on. Okay? To press on. Second, to forget the past and look forward. Okay? And then the third thing is to hold on. Now the last time that I ran in a race was probably when I was a, a little three-year or four-year-old boy um, in preschool. And I was dead last. <laughs> I couldn't run. I was not very good at running. But when we moved to Strand, I started jogging. And I have done some virtual marathons. That's where you, you get a medal if you run a certain amount of kilometers. The furthest that I ran was 16 kilometers. So I can relate that the advice that Paul is giving here is, is good advice in life and in, in running. He says, first, press on. Press on. That's in verse 12, Philippians 3 verse 12. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. When I read press on, I remember how I was running and this is when you just get started, when you just start running. Stephen, maybe you, you feel the same way when you, when you run. It feels uncomfortable, especially the first two kilometers. It feels uncomfortable. Your legs feel heavy. Your body is, doesn't, it feels all tired already. You don't want to, it doesn't feel like your body wants to go. Okay, and then, but when you press on, you just keep going. Then it starts getting better. Yeah. You start getting into a rhythm. Yes. And your, your muscles warm up and you start enjoying it. But why do we press on? Paul says it is to reach that perfection. Okay. If we look at the scripture. <coughs> it is to reach that perfection for which Jesus first possessed him. Now he is not saying that he is reaching for perfection like living a perfectly holy life. He's not... He's not saying this, that he's working for his salvation or anything like that. If we look at Philippians um, 3 verse 9, um, he makes it clear that we become righteous through the gift of righteousness that we get through, through Jesus by faith. No? We, we are made righteous by faith in Christ. Okay? So Paul is not saying he is working for salvation here, okay? Instead, he is pressing on to enjoy everything that Jesus has made available to us. That is relationship with God. And think about this as well. This is everything that we have as believers. Okay, we need to share this. Relationship with God. That's, that's first prize. Relationship with God. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, says Ephesians 1. Okay? That is all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that. Essentially, the nature and the character of God in man. Galatians 5. We, we get complete freedom in Christ from the law and performance-based mindset. We are set free from sin. We, we get holy living, even that. No? Every spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit, like tongues and prophecy and word of knowledge, that is everything that we get in Christ. And finally, what Paul was, was speaking about here, because it was close to, he was believing that it was quite close to the end of his life, he was going to be executed. So what he was really looking forward to was the resurrection from the dead. And the glorified bodies that we are going to get. Okay? We live by faith. Faith is not a one-time thing. We just we don't it's not just believe once and then you are saved and you can go on with your life. We live by faith. Okay? Everything that we receive from Jesus every day, we receive it by faith. Healing is received by faith. To to go to him in the morning. For relationship with Him. Yeah. We do. That is done by faith. Amen. You believe that you are coming to a living God. Mm -hmm. You believe that He is going to speak to you. 
Okay, the whole Christian life is done by faith. Okay. Paul was saying that God made him his own for a reason. He said there, um, where is that? Yeah, it's Philippians 3 verse 12. I don't mean to say that I already achieved all these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Paul said he was made Jesus' possession, his precious possession, for a reason. Okay, God made him his own for a reason. Paul's focus was that calling of God on his life and the glory at the end of the race. In context, Paul was talking about the resurrection, like we just said now, verse 11 says, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul was looking forward to the day that he would be set free from the flesh that is so easily influenced by sin and the world. So this is one key of spiritual maturity, to become spiritually mature, that Paul is giving us. It is singleness of vision. To put your focus like a laser. No? Um, that, that is what will motivate you to press on in the Christian life. To focus on Jesus. To focus on everything that He has provided for us. Okay? It is very easy to get discouraged when you look at other people. To compare yourself with them. It always looks like they have it all together. But that they have success. That, um, that you should be where they are in life. But you must realize that they are in their own race. Stay focused on Jesus and stay in your lane. No? Have you seen a, on a racetrack um, where the, on the Olympics, if they run, there's a bunch of lines on the ground. No? That's lanes. Stay in your own lane when you run. Don't focus left and right. Focus on Jesus. Keep running forward. Okay. Do what Jesus has called you to do. Not what he has called other people to do. Okay. And then the second point that, that Paul, Paul highlights for me is um, forgetting the past and looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward. He says in verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The past is behind you. No? Mm -hmm. who, who can agree with that? The past is behind you. And who knows that you cannot walk while looking behind you. <laughs> you will walk into a pole or into a stop sign and it will hurt. No? Now, Imagine running while looking behind you. Is that possible? I just There's a lot of scenes that come into my mind that I just want to laugh at when I think of someone running while looking backwards. It's not wise. It's not wise to look back, to focus on the past if you want to move forward. Okay? Philippians 3 verse 5 says, Philippians 3 verse 5, and this is what Paul was referring to when he said, forget the past. This is what he was referring to in context. Philippians 3 verse 5 says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. So he, he's talking about who he was in his past now who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. That was what he thought. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. So Paul was saying that we should forget the sins and mistakes of yesterday. Because yes. why? Yesterday is in the past. past. Okay. Before Paul got saved, he was, um, he was persecuting and murdering Christians. Okay. 
Acts 1 verse 9 says, Meanwhile, Paul was uttering threats with every breath. That's in Acts 1 verse 9. It was when his name was still Saul. Uh, to his, to say, almost said Saul for me. While his name was still Saul. Um, he was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Eager to kill the Lord's followers. Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Imagine if that was your past. Eh? Imagine if that was your past. If you were the one killing Christians. Jesus himself uh, appears to you and says, you are persecuting me. If, Saul, if Paul focused on that, he would have never been the guy that we read about in the Bible. Don't you think? If he wants to focus on his past, um, he would not have been the man we read about in the Bible. He would have not been the man who wrote more than half of the New Testament. <clears throat> it is estimated that Paul planted almost 20 churches. Think about that. One guy plants 20 churches. Sure. Him and his followers. Um, that's, that's awesome. But I don't think it would have happened if he focused on his past. If you constantly focused on your past, you will never see yourself as someone that God wants to use for His glory. Yeah. Someone who condemns himself does not see himself as worthy to be used by God. That's what condemnation means. It means to, to see as unfit for use. Unfit for use. Okay. And we know that... Uh, Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no more condemnation. No? So don't, don't deem yourself unfit for use by looking at your past if God has made you worthy. All right? The writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I just get the picture of the grandstands. If you've ever been at an athletic event or in the Olympics, you see the stands with all the people sitting there watching the race. <clears throat> he says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now the cloud of witnesses that Paul talks about here uh, is, and I think Emily spoke about it last week, is um, in Hebrews 11, um, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, and the list goes on. Eh? But I think uh, we can also apply it to today. Whether you realize it or not, people are looking at you. Your family members, they are looking at your life. Our lives should be testimonies of, of God's goodness. Eh? There's many unbelievers out there. And they watch us. They know if you're a Christian. They are the most critical, I think, of Christians. Um, they look at our lives, and our lives need to be testimonies for God and not against Christ. Okay. Paul urges us to strip off every weight. I just get this image of someone that is running with a belt. And on this belt there's ropes. And on the end of the rope there's um, bags of sand. Yeah? Bags of sand. Imagine you've got a belt on. With bags of sand hanging around your knees, hanging around your ankles, pulling here behind you. How difficult must it be to run with something like that? Huh? Imagine, Stephen, would you be able to run with that? It's difficult, no? It's nearly impossible. Okay, so sin trips us up, just like you would fall over those sandbags. It distracts us from our true purpose and calling. That is all that the devil wants us wants yeah. to do. He just wants to distract us from our true purpose and our true calling. If he can keep us busy with sin, then we'll never reach anyone else because we're so busy with ourselves. Alright? He keeps us occupied with self. It also carries over a bad image of the one we wish to represent. The truth is that our sin has been dealt with on the cross. 
And it is no longer an issue between us and God at all. Okay. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, For God, God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. When? Once. Once for all time. Only once did He come to die for us and it was good for all time. Okay. But sin will destroy your life if you allow it. Okay? It will wreak havoc in your life and relationships if you let it. A believer that is preoccupied with sin and trying to manage its consequences is one that is not occupied with God-given purpose and destiny. Okay? You can't run with sandbags and you don't have to try. So just take off the sandbag belt. Jesus took care of it. And run. Run. The third point in Philippians 3 verse um, 16. Or that scripture that we read in Philippians 3. The third point that stood out to me from, from what Paul said with regard to racing and stuff like that. Is hold on to the progress already made. Hold on to the progress that has already been made. Okay. He says in verse uh, Philippians 3 16. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. I have tripped, I have tripped and fallen many times before when I go running and in life. Okay, But Paul does not say that we must accept defeat and stay down and give up. Okay? That is when you, when you really lose. Okay? But if we get up, we, we will overcome. Okay? Paul was urging them not to give up, but to consider how far they had come, to celebrate their victories and to keep standing in faith. Paul knew very well the difficulties, the persecutions, the trials, the troubles they would face. That's why he tells them to hold on, to run with endurance, because there will be things that they need to endure. When you look at your past, which you shouldn't really do, but if you look at it from the angle of what God has brought me out of, yeah, that's good. It's, a, it's victories. You focus on your past victories. Um, in the Bible, when um, the Israelites uh, went into Canaan, so Moses just died. They're in the desert. There's the Jordan River. <clears throat> and they want to go in the land of Canaan that the Lord had promised them. Joshua went and he took stones. Uh, stones for every tribe, 12 stones, and he stacked the stones in the river and on the land as well. I think he made two like pillars to remind Israel where they came from and the great victories that God had brought them, okay, brought for them. So look at, look to your past to see where God has brought you out of. Look to your past to see the, the great progress that you have made, that He has made for you as well, okay. So those were the three things that stood out to me from that scripture is to, um, let me just go there again. What was the points? Can you remember? First one was to press on, yeah. Yeah. And to hold on. Amen. Okay. Let me just... Okay, Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Hebrews 12 verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. This is what Hebrews 12 verse 2 says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, this is how Jesus did it, eh? because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So the only way we will endure difficulty is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Then the writer of Hebrews even uses Jesus as an example. He says Jesus kept his focus on the joy. Mm -hmm. The joy and the glory and the honor that was awaiting him after the cross. Okay, And that is how he endured the cross. Think about this. Jesus chose willingly to go through the cross. Mm -hmm. yeah? He was willing. He chose. He didn't have to. 
He didn't have to. If we, we can read in Matthew 26, Matthew 26, verse 53. Jesus says, uh, this is the, the evening before he was being crucified. No? Um, uh, this is what happened in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, so the people came to arrest him. And Paul, no, it wasn't Paul. <laughs> Peter struck one of the servants and cut off the guy's ear. You remember that story? And Jesus says to Peter, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. Think about that. Jesus, this is what Jesus said. In that moment, he could ask the father for thousands of angels and God would send those angels instantly. And Jesus would not have gone to the cross. Would not have, have, have to do that. No? When the mob wanted to know where Jesus was, they were asking, where is Jesus? And Jesus said, yeah, I am. And the whole mob fell over. <laughs> All of them fell over. So Jesus had the power, if he wanted to, not to go to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. So he chose this. Once again, we need to fix our focus on eternal realities. Yeah. Jesus was focused on, on us when He went to the cross. He focused on what, what there was to gain. He focused on the glory that He would have with the Father once again in heaven after the cross. That is why, where He was focused. And that is why the beatings, the, the, they were hitting Him in the face, spitting at Him. He, you remember all those things. That is how he could endure that. Yeah. Okay. And go to the cross. And get the victory. Okay. So what do we focus on? What is our purpose? Romans 8 verse 28. And I'm almost finished guys. Almost finished. Romans 8 28. Yeah. And we know that God causes us everything to work and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Okay. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son. That's important. God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them the right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. Okay? He gave them His glory. If you are a believer, your purpose is first and foremost to come to Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's what it says here. Um... And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. Okay? That is our first calling as believers. Amen. To come to Jesus. And enjoy His glory. Another word for glory is also presence. Many times we hear, um, or not many times, there's, in the Old Testament it's said that uh, the glory of the Lord has filled the temple. No? You've heard that before. The glory of the Lord has filled the temple. That means His presence was in the temple. So I'm not saying that you can exchange the word glory every time for presence, but I believe this, this is applicable here. He gave them, at the end it's in verse 30, and He gave them right standing, He gave them His glory. In other words, He gave us His presence. Amen. How awesome is that? He gave them His presence, His glory. The scripture also says He choo chooses them to become like His Son. As we fellowship in His presence, as we spend time with Jesus, we become like Him. Eh? Yeah. This is not talking about a life full of miracles. That's not all it's talking about. But we have to we have to have His character flow through us as well. Like I, those lists of things that I mentioned earlier, not just spiritual gifts, but is is the fruit of the spirit, all of those things. It's not just character, oh, not just miracles. It's character as well. And from that position of relationship and rest in Him, resting in His finished work on the cross, 
we fulfill what He calls us to do. It's from a position of rest and relationship that we go <clears throat> and we share the gospel. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. says, and he, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. And then he says, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Work at telling the others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, this is Paul now, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. That's awesome, man. Eh? I have finished the race. Once again, talking about a race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness. Yeah. Wow. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And this prize, this is awesome, this prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. We will have the crown of righteousness. Mm. That is so awesome. Mm. Paul encourages Timothy to carry out the ministry God has given Timothy. Okay? If you are a believer, then you have a ministry. Say, I have a ministry. I have a ministry. You have a ministry. You have been called by God. Your life has great meaning and purpose. Okay? If you are a believer, then this is true of you. You may not be someone who is in, in full-time ministry, that is all the time busy with these things, but technically we are all full-time ministers. Okay? Because it doesn't matter where you go. You've been called to, uh, to reach certain people. You have been called to be Jesus wherever you go. So in a sense, we are all full-time. We don't get to take time off from, from sharing the gospel, shining the light. Okay? That is who we are. It's not who we choose to be. That is who we are, and we must believe it. Okay? Paul says, work hard at telling others the good news. Because he knew that it was important. Okay. Second Corinthians 5 verse 18. The last scripture. That I want to share with you. If you've ever prayed. Lord. What is my calling? What am I supposed to do in life? What is my ministry? No? Here's the answer to your prayers. Okay. And all of this is a gift from God, 2 Corinthians 5.18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message. It's a wonderful message, guys. It's not a... It's not a drag to do this. It shouldn't be. No? Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not a sad message. It's not a depressing message. This is a good message. A wonderful message of reconciliation. That we get to take a part in. Mm -hmm. So we are Christ's ambassadors. <coughs> it says in verse 20. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Think about that. God makes His appeal through you. Oh, that's awesome. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the calling of every believer. Okay? This is your calling. This is my calling. Okay? It depends... Each person is going to do it differently, although, no? because we are not all exactly the same. Some of, our, some of us have different talents, different skills. So your ministry won't look exactly like the one next to you. 
Okay? But we are all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Okay? However you do it, following His will and purpose for your life will bring you more fulfillment and make you more happy and more content than anything else in this world. Sin included. Sin is a, sin is a momentary fake thing. It just distracts you and destroys your life if you allow it. But if you do this, I think we'll be surprised at how much fulfilled we are. How how joyful we will be when we see people coming to know Jesus. It's a privilege to be a minister of reconciliation because think about this. You are reconciling, bringing together someone that is lost in darkness and hopelessness and and you bring them to the light you bring them to God His presence is in you you are a walking temple this is awesome guys and we need to we need to realize this I need to realize this every day every moment because it is so so easy to focus on our emotions so easy to be caught up with what we are doing at this time Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.